Hola, and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We talk everything animation here, including BoJack Horseman, which we'll be getting into right now. Uh, I'm your host, Alice Bonilla, and today I'm joined by Michelle Andrew. Hello. And Sam Quattro. Hi. Uh, today we are continuing our episode recaps of Season 5 of BoJack Horseman. Uh, if you want to catch up on our previous discussions on episodes, you can always... Look us up at OverlyAnimated.com. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes at OverlyAnimated.com slash iTunes. You can also listen to us on YouTube at OverlyAnimated.com slash YouTube. And wherever you listen to us, we always appreciate any ratings and reviews you want to leave us. But yeah, today we are approaching the end of the season uh, with episodes 9 and 10, Ancient History and Head in the Clouds. Um, for some reason, these are the only two episodes on the season five Wikipedia article that don't have episode summaries. So, wow, yeah, that's that mean. Because there's so much to say, they got intimidated. They stopped. Hmm. Is it that? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. We'll, we'll 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 talk about these episodes. Um, I guess we'll oh, as usual we'll be doing a a brief non-spoiler moment, just general impressions, and then we'll get deeper into the into the episodes later and maybe talk about how they connect to the finale of the season as well. So we'll begin with our general impressions. Um, Sam, we'll, we'll go to you first. So what, what, what do you think about the, these episodes in general? So ancient history upon when I first watched it, I was like, eh, maybe not. I wasn't too much of a fan of it, to be honest. While I do love Holly Hawk very much, the plot line really didn't do it for me. And, all of Bojack's stuff that happens throughout. Not not a fan. Uh, the other one, Head in the Clouds, has a really great segment in it, but the rest of it is just... It's all over the place with, like, you know, the gags and the seriousness and just everything that's going on in that episode. But I think it ends on, like, a really good place, that one. All right, all right. Uh, Michelle? Uh, I kind of agree with Sam. I, I objectively really like ancient history, um, but I do think Head in the Clouds has a very, very strong standalone segment at the end that we've been kind of boiling to for a while this season. But I, I think I was a little higher on ancient history just because I think for me, the stuff with Holly Hawk really worked and it made me really sad because it's just one more example of a relationship Bojack could have that's great and healthy, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know how to deal with and that makes me really, really sad. Uh, and I, I liked everyone's plots more. I love that Princess Carolyn, you know, got back together with, oh, I feel so bad. What is the mouse's name? Ralph. <laughs> Ralph. Ralph. He's been gone a whole season. I forgot. Yeah. I mean, like, that. I, I really liked them together last season. I liked them in this episode. It makes me a little sad. It looks like they're not going to get together, but that's fine. <laughs> Princess Carolyn can do her own thing. <laughs> I remember who he is. I remember his character. Not his name. Ralph is not a very memorable name, like Princess Carolyn. I mean, that's that's a memorable name right there. That's true. That's true. But, but Sam call, calling him Ralph Simpleton is also. <laughs> <laughs> Simpleton. That's his name, right? Stilton. See, I don't even. Oh, Stilton. I wish his name was Simpleton. That would have been amazing. That's that's a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, I think both these episodes had great things about them. Even though by great, I don't necessarily mean enjoyable to watch on a personal level. They were strong in their own ways. But I think for me, Ancient History as an overall episode was stronger 
then head in the clouds. Okay, interesting. Uh, I, I, I lean closer to Sam. Like, I, I like Hollyhock as a character, but I think that ancient history as a whole is kind of a weak episode in this season. Whereas Head in the Clouds, I think, uh, in agreement with both of you, like the, the, the segment at the end is really the highlight of that episode and the thing that you leave remembering the most. But I also kind of enjoy like the rest of the part of the party scenes. I, I like the, the wacky side plot for once. Uh, that, uh, it's like so over the top that <laughs> like it, it goes into like me being okay with it, I guess. So what we'll, We'll talk about it but yeah i think that the head in the clouds is just a great setup to the ending of the season and especially just the that final moment between diane and bojack like it ends up ramping up the emotion in places that the season gets to a couple of times and like this is one of the moments where like it's at its strongest to the 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 tension in this season so uh well i guess we can begin there so i i guess well we'll uh remove the no spoiler talk so like if you want to go find those episodes if for some reason you haven't watched them by now go ahead go look, go look for them but yeah with uh, with head in the clouds i think that the the segment of these two episodes that ends up standing out the most it is this uh, final conversation between bojack and diane uh, that they've shown the show bojack gives his speech about the show and how he he says that we all have filberts in our lives we've all done terrible things that we regret but we're since we're all terrible in our own ways, we're all okay. <laughs> and and, and that and uh, I don't know if that is true. It's not. I think that's one desperate horse's wish in the world, but I don't think the the world is quite that way for everyone. Yeah, well, I, I we we've ta- touched on this before that this is sort of a meta commentary on the worries of shows like Rick and Morty or like BoJack Horseman, where we show these characters doing terrible things, but because as Diane says, we make them likable, so it makes it easier for people to rationalize. So, well, I guess I'm not that bad then, sort of thing, and it that it, it it does seem to touch on BoJack Horseman a little bit. I don't know if you guys feel like this is uh, applicable to this show itself, or like what what is the the effect of adding this message into this episode? Considering the type of show this is, I thought it was a pretty great meta commentary. That whole discussion that they had. Uh, Michelle, any thoughts? Um, whether it, it's a commentary on BoJack itself or a certain kind of show, because I, I was definitely getting not, not if it was I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it definitely made me think like immediately of Rick and Morty as opposed to BoJack. And I think that's because mm. BoJack as a show seems to have a much more clear directive to show this person at their worst and to not glorify it in a way that seems fun. Like, I I don't know anyone who would proudly wear a BoJack t-shirt and say like, Oh, I'm such a BoJack. Yeah, that's me. I'm so cool. Like no one, but a lot of people would do that about Rick. And I feel like that's a pretty big difference. So I think it's not so much a meta commentary on maybe BoJack as a show, but uh, shows like Rick and Morty, absolutely. Like, that's a conversation that should be had for sure. Uh, like, the weird part is I think I might wear a BoJack shirt. So, oh, like, I don't God. Because you identify as BoJack, though? Or because you like the show and yeah, all of because, its messages? Because I like, yeah, because I like the show mainly. But yeah, like, <laughs> I mean... 
Maybe buy like a Bojack poster for your bedroom, but don't like buy a T-shirt, bro. That seems even edgier, though. Like, uh, it is a poster in my in my apartment. <laughs> Nobody is going to come into your apartment and see that. Who is walking on the street? Who would see you wearing a T-shirt? Hmm. Good point. Good point. Uh, but yeah, so we lead up to this uh, uh, discussion of the show, and Diane is like, "This isn't." how you're supposed to act and so we get to this uh, eventual confrontation at the uh, uh in uh, at the end of the episode where like first diane goes into like it's not the point of filbert to make yourself feel okay and then we get into the culmination of something that's been building in this season which is confronting bojack about new mexico we we got the revelation of the tape by anna spanakopita earlier in the season so diane knows more or less what's going on and in this episode it seems that she reveals she's done research on her own um for the first time it's acknowledged that there was stuff on social media about bojack which i, I found a little interesting on second watch because it's like how have other people not picked up on this like uh, just a, a drunk bojack in, in the middle of a college <laughs> that's true he is a celebrity you'd think some magazine would have run with that yeah, it's a, it, feel, it feels interesting that Diane was able to find that very easily. He was in a so. trench coat, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no one else could put the puzzle yeah, he was together, but Diane. He was in a trench coat and a hat, right? <laughs> to- totally unrecognizable. And Sarah Lynn was there too just before she died. Yeah, right? like, so. how did yeah. nobody else notice that? Yeah, but uh, so Bo- Bojack is confronted with all this uh, information and as she, he, Diane continues on, like, I'm publicly your friend, and if you're doing creepy stuff, it makes me look bad. And this is also connecting back to what, what in the conversation with Anna Spanakopita of, like, if, if we are protecting our shitty friends, then we're complicit in a way. And it seems like this is a, another culmination of that as well, like Diane finally being sick of feeling that kind of complicit with Bojack's uh, behavior. Um, do uh, I guess I don't know what the question here is, is if Diane is doing is doing this appropriately or with the right motivations, if, if that's the question we want to handle or more like just ha- how do we react to, to like the, the way that Diane finally brings this up with Bojack in this scene? I mean, I I from what we've seen of Diane this season, especially, I I honestly don't think she's doing this for her own reasons. I think she honestly is invested in Bojack's well-being. And the New Mexico thing's a big deal to her, but I think that the New Mexico thing also is the catalyst of a bigger issue of she cares about him enough to want him to be doing better. And the fact that he keeps such a big secret from her and potentially did a very troubling thing is what really bothers her the most. Um, and especially when he'll then like flick conversation from that and won't give her any information and then oh like I'm just like you, like we're the same. Because in her mind, no, you're not the same. You've you've done like unspeakably horrible things to a level I have not reached. And for you to put this on the same level, like that makes her incredibly uncomfortable. But I do think like, she does say, like, even though you're being an asshole right now, like, I do believe you can be better. I want you to be because she is invested in that friendship and that relationship. But it is, it's complicated. Like, any relationship in this show is so complicated. Um, but I do think, I honestly do think she wants 
what she thinks is best for him, or at least for him to be getting help and to be more honest with himself about the fact that he has a real problem. And he's not willing to do that yet. And that's like the biggest issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, here we, we we see Bojack like trying to like throw it back onto her, like oh, it's because mm-hmm. I make you look bad. Like, is that that the reason why you're bringing this up? And that's kind of why I bring this up too, because I, I think that especially with like the superficial treatment that Diane sometimes gets from the fandom, that like some people might be willing to side with Bojack. But I think that it's important that in the rest of this conversation, it, it's made clear that Diane does care about Bojack's well-being in the end. Like also at the very end, there's a, a good moment where she's like. Like, even though you're being an asshole right now, like, I do think you can still be better. But it's just, uh, but at the same time, like, immediately following that up with, well, if you're not getting that out of this, then this is a bad relationship and we need to uh, separate, so so to speak. And, uh, like, another strong moment is at the very, very end when, like, Diane is trying to leave and Bojack grabs her arm and, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. like, that's like a very uncomfortable moment to, to, to watch you can feel bojack's desperation is he doesn't know how to be real with her he doesn't know how to be honest with himself but because they're such close friends the idea of losing her makes him really desperate in a way we don't normally see and it's just like it's so uncomfortable but it feels so real and so true to something real and that's why it's like painful to watch it but it's also why it's the best part of the episode yeah uh, also like just the idea like Bo- bojack finally like says aloud like what happened with penny and all but as in his mind i guess he feels like entitled to diane staying like hey i gave you the information why are you yeah still sort of and that's like oh, so God. not how this works and he just no. doesn't understand <laughs> it's like fine fine you got out of me you happy now it's like no you admitted something really awful and the way you spelled it out made it sound like if you hadn't been caught it would have escalated to the point of you having sex with an underage girl of the woman you were kind of in love with and that's just like actually makes it worse to know that and he doesn't like get that part of it that it sounds worse that he actually said it than whatever she was imagining and it's yeah it's just uh cringing from discomfort the whole thing it's so good but yeah yeah uh, sam do you have any final thoughts on like this whole scene here at the end just made me sad man mm-hmm. how can i make you sad it's just like i don't know because bojack and diane they're like they're friends right mm-hmm. and friends fighting just makes me sad <laughs> and it makes me sad that yeah. You know, it had to come to this that Bojack just can't be a person, essentially. He can't be somebody who, you know, says things to other people without it being like a huge dramatic, dramatic deal and like a huge show of like, oh, yes, I'm doing this for you. And like, you know, completely erasing all of his past mistakes in his mind. I don't know. It's it makes me sad. I felt sad at the end. Yeah, that that that's the show. I think it made me feel. It's sad hard at to the describe. End. Yeah. It just makes me feel sad in like a really complex way that I'm not emotionally prepared to deal with at this point in time. 
No, and, and there are several layers to Bojack's assholery that are just disappointing. Especially like we we say at times like oh, compared to where he was in season one, he's getting better. But then you get moments <sighs> like this where where yeah. you get moments like this where it's like, well, has he really? And Diane is also like very directly, you haven't changed at all. <laughs> so it it does make you when when moments like this happen in the show it does make you question really like what what is the direction for bojack going forward now also at the very end like once diane leaves he begins uh, t- combining painkillers and alcohol and <laughs> that's so that a great moment. idea that's always fun. oh boy yeah he takes so, like, like five, six Six of the painkillers. He takes the whole bunch, several handfuls. Yeah, he yeah. just begins chugging them. <laughs> uh, colors and fireworks and blurs begin happening, and uh, that that will set up what eventually happens in the showstopper, where basically the entire episode is just him blurring in and out of consciousness. So that 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 that's uh, something to look forward to for, for episode eleven. But um, go, cutting back to ancient history, because this is where it begins, ancient history starts off with uh, like us cutting between the, the show that he's making and him popping pills. And this is all happening, like just like beginning the setup for all the blurring of lines between reality and stuff. But uh, Hollyhock shows up <laughs> at the same time as he is beginning to go into his drug addiction. Um, I do want to say that Hollyhock, just in general, their relationship continues to be cute. Um, at the beginning, like Bojack has the sign ready for him and all uh, for her, and like it's 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 just it's nice to see that Bojack, even in his all all his assholery, like still has moments like this where he he's able to show some form of empathy through his tough uh, shell, so to speak. Yeah, Bojack mm-hmm. cares. Sometimes. Yeah, he's. He really, and it reminds me of early on the season when he's struggling to call her at school, and he calls her really late at night, and she's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" La la la, and he can't even admit that he misses her, but she knows what was going on. She's like, "You know, I miss you," and you kind of get the same thing at the end of this episode when he drops her off, and she's just like, "Are you going to be okay?" Only you take painkillers when you're actually hurt and it's prescribed by a doctor. And then she's like, I love you. And he can't say I love you back. It's too uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> it's too foreign. So he just goes like, mm. but when she waves at him, he waves back at her. And it's like, okay, he's like, he's he's doing what he can to express how he feels. But it's just like, uh, it was a small moment, but it really, it really stuck with me. Yeah, it, it it's th- there are small moments in this episode that like <laughs> are are good for that. Also, at, at the very end, when like Hollyhock is, is like, "Hey, like I could stay to like help yeah. you out and stuff," and Bojack is immediately like, "No, no, you gotta stay in school," sort of thing. So like that that's also a small moment that's like, okay, you d- you made the right decision, like keep keep her um, down the right path at the very least. So, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Um, but but the main storyline goes that Hollyhock goes to Bojack's house and she gets bad flashbacks from her previous season where she was dr- secretly drugged. And so she eventually finds Bojack's painkillers and throws them down the sink. Um, but of, of course, late, later on, it gets revealed that Bojack really doesn't need these painkillers anymore. And that at this point, it does seem that the, the addiction is already an addiction sort of thing. But because because of that, we spend most of this episode with the Hollyhock Bojack just them looking for drugs. So like, 
Uh, I, I don't know if that's the reason that this uh, this part of the episode is weaker than uh, I would hope for a Hollyhock episode, but I I, I don't know how, how you guys feel just about this general storyline, like them going from place to place looking for painkillers sort of thing. <laughs> I don't know. It was kind of... For me, like from an in the narrative Sarah point, st- it's there. It's there. A point that is not a word. Uh, point of <laughs> it can be. <laughs> for me, like from an inside of the narrative point of view, it's like kind of like annoying, and I feel Hollyhock's annoyance. Like, why are we just driving around everywhere looking for these pills when I'm only here for the night? Shouldn't we be like hanging out, eating pizza and stuff? Like, is this like the most of this time you want to make? Uh, and from an outside the narrative ser- stereo point, which is a word, uh, st- it's a real word. Stereo point. <laughs> so what the fuck is a stereo point anyway? <laughs> it's like a stereotype, but on, it's on yeah. the stand. point on the stereo where is the best part? Exactly. No, yeah. but from an outside of the narrative standpoint, it was less annoying, I guess. I don't know. It's just that kind of like narrative device. Like, oh, you did this. Now we got to go from place to place and do this, that, and the other. Blah blah blah. And everything that's going on in Princess Carolyn's narrative and Todd's, well, maybe not Todd's narrative, throughout this episode, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it drives well. So like everybody's kind of rushing from place to place in this episode. It's kind of like a rush episode. Hmm, I guess that's true. They're like both the Bojack and the Princess Caroline are just driving a lot. Yeah, so the driving that's a connection. Yeah. Road trip around LA for painkillers and babies. <laughs> the two most important things. Yep. Yeah, that's that's a very Los Angeles thing to do, I think. Um, actually, oh, there there's a joke there with Hollyock saying like, uh, "Why do Los Angeles people think everyone understands your local references?" Nobody mm, does. Yeah, I have uh, the probably Bojack has made local jokes before that we just go over our heads. So that that's I guess <laughs> important to. How many people point live out. in Los Angeles? A couple of million. Uh, a lot. I, I think the answer is a lot, but <laughs> I'll look it up. Uh, not numbers. I'm unclear. Uh, but yeah, but the various places they go visit include G- uh, Gina's house, where uh, eventually it turns out that. Bojack and Gina end up getting back together as a result of him trying to give directions to Hollyhock. Wow. So, uh, Gina. That's how Gina gets better. P.S. Yeah. Los yeah. Angeles has 3.9 million people in it. Wow. Wow. Good, Almost good, good four. Research. They gotta keep, Almost keep four having million. babies so they can have yeah. four. Yeah. Keep having but, babies uh, and painkillers. Yeah. How many of them take painkillers though? I don't, I don't know. Probably a lot. <laughs> I don't want to Google that. <laughs> <laughs> there are stranger things you could Google. I know, but, uh, but I'm, I don't want to be put on like some sort of painkiller watch list. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, also in this uh, episode, they go to the 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 ravine where apparently grease was filled or yeah. something. Yeah. And There's and the speaking of guy. watch lists, um, they try to buy drugs from this uh, centipede-looking guy, and the uh, officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face shows them to Mike try buying Mike's drugs. lollipop. So good. Yeah, yeah. His opening line is, "Is it lit in here?" or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is it lit in here? Yeah, that was the line. Yeah. So, I just but, like his hat that says "teen." That That's probably my favorite part. 
Yeah, it, 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 somehow the centipede does not notice, and they they get caught, and Bojack and Hollyhock run off, and it's when Bojack lifts Hollyhock over a fence that Hollyhock realizes, wait a minute, your back doesn't hurt, and <laughs> and then we get the whole revelation of like, well, maybe I don't actually need the pills, and that that's mostly how that scene and that storyline ends uh, until Bojack gets antsies and, yeah. and drives into traffic. <laughs> Which yep. is like the same episode. So even though he acknowledges he has a problem with Hollyhock there, it takes him five minutes to to put his life in danger to have a, a reason that makes sense to him to get back into the addiction. Which is yeah, pretty I intense. Yeah, I wonder, like, is it actually, like, consciously, I, I need to injure myself to get drugs? Or is it just him being so, the withdrawal, like, making him go nuts and just make weird decisions in the end? I think it's both, right? Because, yeah, yeah he, on the one hand, he is clearly going through withdrawal while he's waiting for the traffic to stop. But then also, Hollyhog gave him, in in a weird way, and this is probably how his brain works, a green light to, if you actually are hurt and a doctor prescribes it, you can take it again. So in his mind, yeah. If driving I, in the traffic. Yeah, if I happen to get an accident by driving into this freeway, then it's fine. And she said, it's fine. So it's fine. It's not a problem anymore because I, I followed her instructions. I feel like it could be both. <laughs> Yeah, it probably can, and also in in those cases, like you you make weird leaps in logic too. So like, I, I guess that that makes sense. It's like, yeah, yeah. It, it might have been an unconscious thing, but I'm sure in his brain, like when she gave him a reason to to make it happen, he was like, okay, cool, that, file that away next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, so th that all sets up the, the painkiller stuff for the next episode. But the, the other main storyline of this is Princess Carolyn. Um, she, well, first it starts off with Mr. Peanut Butter wanting to option a greeting card for a movie. <laughs> yeah. Which... It's birthday, Dad. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Dude, why don't more people just option greeting cards for movies? That's going to be the future. It should be. I mean, there are greeting cards that are a lot more complex than that. Like, they have, like, five lines of, like, a little story in there. And that then on the other side is, like, a fancy picture and stuff. So I do think that there are greeting cards out there you can make movies out of. But I like, like Birthday Dad. <laughs> birthday Dad. It's so vague. It could be any kind of movie. That's the appeal. It could be a comedy. It could be a rom-com. It could be a horror movie. It could be sci-fi. There's so many options. Movie. There's so many dads and so many birthdays. Maybe that's what Mr. Peanut Butter was thinking about. I can't give so much credit, but maybe. It's very coincidental, too. I'm pretty sure that greeting card was dogs. So, like, it just sounded yeah! very coincidental that it was, it was a birthday dog. So, it's like, I, I see myself in that picture. No, I literally think that's it. Because the dad dog looks like him, but with cool shades on. And the he has, like, five children surrounding him, looking at him with adoration. I'm sure. He was like, ooh, I want to channel this. I want to play birthday dad. Look at how many cool kids he has who love him. Any chance we see this actually getting filmed in season six? Yeah, sure. I mean, they filmed I mean, and that Princess Carolyn did on a whim. So why not birthday dad? 
Yeah, that that's gonna be Mr. Peanut Butter's like his final season storyline. Like he <laughs> figures out that his that he's a terrible uh, boyfriend as he's playing a dad or sort of something like. What that. What if Pickles gets pregnant and then he has to ah! like, <laughs> real father being the fake father on Birthday Dad the movie? Whoa. I don't want that. I don't. I'm honestly, I don't want that either. But it could happen. Uh, while while we're talking pickles, we can just like j- jump over to pickles for a brief moment and head head in the clouds because uh, she she is distracted by the show and she goes off to, to have help her friend with a crisis and had to test lol, um, and and that 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 was pretty much our pickles discussion for today. Thank you guys. Oh pickles. Oh. And and she she runs away because she needs to go watch the entire show to make Mr. Peanut Butter feel better apparently. Uh, not 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 great setup for what eventually happens with pickles and peanut butter later in this in this season, but yeah. Uh, but but back to Princess Carolyn. Eventually, they uh, she has to talk to Ralph Simpleton or, or Stilton about the oh greeting my card. God. You're not Ralph Simpleton. I love it. It's I thought I, I was like, okay, it has something to do with like Hilton, but I couldn't remember who it was like Stilton or Simpleton. Somebody's well, last it, name out there is Simpleton. Probably, probably, but um, yeah. And so R- Ralph figures out uh, Ralph is there while Carolyn gets a call to pick up a baby at the hospital, and they they have this conversation about like, hey, it's funny that you decided to adopt. I said that we should have looked for other options, and we never ended up doing that. So it's funny you decided to do it alone, sort of thing. And it keep they they keep following this throughout the the episode of like hey like we we could have done this together or like hey why didn't you call me and so so like I I just found it interesting that like the direction we're going with Ralph is like him trying to insert himself back into Princess Carolyn's life like you know I I felt it kind of manipulative I don't know how you guys <sighs> feel about how Ralph handles Princess Carolyn yeah. in this episode. Oh, you thought man. you you both felt like he was being manipulative because I didn't at all. Well, Sam, you go first. How, how do okay. you feel? I I kind of felt that he was being a little bit, I don't know, going out of his out of his realm of uh, control when you know Princess Caroline was holding the baby and the mom was like, "Oh yeah, I'm glad that this has two parents and." She's like, and Prince Carolyn is like, Ralph, don't lie to her, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, I want to have the baby now because like, I'm dedicated to this life. But Princess Carolyn is over that. You know what I mean? And he's just, he keeps trying to push the issue, but it's it's over. It's over. It's done. And I didn't appreciate him trying to, you know, make it a thing again when it's been like over a year. Okay, Michelle, defend your uh, your rat friend. That that was a good. He's a mouse. That's actually, yeah, I think oh, he's a mouse. Excuse me. I thought you said rap friend for a second. I'm like, I don't think we've heard <laughs> Ralph rap a single time, but maybe off screen. I do, Sam. That's a good point. The moment when he he's saying, "Oh no, yeah, I do still want to raise a kid. Let's do it." It's like, dude, that is so not the time. You missed your boat. But I think up until then, all his questions were just him trying to like mentally sparse through how the relationship had suddenly ended and wh- how they were both feeling because she does say like oh I wish you had stayed that night oh but you were so mad I didn't want to intrude like I wish you'd call me why didn't you call me why didn't you think you wanted me to and then she even says well what did we learn from this not to listen to what I say essentially 
Um, and to me, honestly, it felt like really mixed signals from Princess Carolyn. And I don't normally say that, but I mean, it, it seemed like she she did still like she regretted that they broke up. But then at the end of the episode, she's like, no, no, no. Like, I don't like I I don't want to have a baby with you. I just want to do it on my own. That's like the right thing for me. And like, I honestly didn't 100 percent buy that. And I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if that's just because of her saying, oh, I wish you had called. I wish you'd stayed that night. If that, if those were isolated feelings or if it did mean in the future, maybe she would like to get back to, like, it felt unclear enough that I was kind of like, what? Princess Carolyn, what do you want? Do you want to be a single mom and have your kid and, and just be career woman? That would be awesome. But like, are you sure you don't want a partner? Because I'm not a hundred percent confident that she doesn't not want a partner. And that's like kind of where I'm left. Like, I honestly don't know. I'm not sold a hundred percent on either theory. So I don't know. Interesting. And like, I guess it, it the season, I think, is leaning towards Princess Carolyn wanting to do it alone just because, like, we have the Amelia Earhart story, right? Which, like, tries to give backstory to Princess Carolyn's desire for a child. And, like, part of it is just the, the idea that she wants to prove to herself that she can she can do it in some way. And I, I guess that, that uh, her, her mom did it alone, so, like, you could extrapolate that she wants to be able to to do it alone too but i i also agree like there is an interpretation here where it's like princess carolyn giving mitch signals like she's letting ralph accompany her on all this stuff like she tries to push back a little bit but ralph always ends up staying around it's like you didn't have to come with me to the hospital or like you or at at the very end it's like can i wait with you for the cab this sort of thing so like, you can interpret those as signs of, of kindness or, or also as Ralph like trying to get into places that maybe he, he shouldn't be. Like I think there are two different ways of interpreting those things, especially considering how Princess Carolyn in these, in these moments is a bit frazzled herself by, by everything that's happening. Like she just realized half, like in an hour ago that she's gonna, she might have a baby sort of thing. So it, yeah. it, it's, it, all, it all happens so fast, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so Princess Carolyn doesn't end up getting the baby because she gives a speech about how she can do it alone, and the mom is like, "Hey, I can do it alone." Yeah, she's like, "Oh, oh I don't think like, worried about that." I don't mom. like adoption works that way, but sure, <laughs> it does have the agency that Princess Carolyn shows. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think you have to be kind of set in stone for that sort of thing. You know, you have well, to sign documents and stuff. Well, you you don't think it's like finders keepers sort of rules? Uh, maybe back like a couple thousand years ago. Was it kind of with the like associate lady helping her? Is like she's like, oh, that place, that hospital's kind of far away. She's like, dude, you don't say no to free baby. Like that's what <laughs> she has about adoption. Is she works for that place? I would yeah. say no to a free baby. I don't want a free baby. Well, yeah, that's because you don't babies want aren't baby, free. But... <laughs> Or six you pay well, like you pay for that baby's whole life. Mm-hmm. Free now, pay later. I mean, oh that, my that, god! Maybe you, can, maybe you can adoption like a like a house. So you can do like mortgage installments like every month. On pay off baby. I mean, yeah. you kind of are. 
Also, in episode one, Princess Carolyn already paid a bunch of money to the agency That's anyway. That's so. $60,000. Oh. Yeah. Well, you, so, you gotta buy diapers and, like, clothes and medical things. Stuff. Yeah. So stuff. Humans are not cheap to raise. No. Well, Princess Carolyn wants that responsibility, so right, yes, well, let, let her have it. Wait, can <laughs> we go? Well, like, I know, I know, this is a tangent, but I'm thinking about the Amelia Earhart um, episode, and this, and again, I feel like this season brought up a lot of questions to me about Princess Carolyn. I, I thought I knew. I don't really know how she feels about relationships anymore, and I don't know how she feels about babies anymore because in that episode, kind of my impression was that she so she she wanted to go away she didn't want to stay at home she didn't want to be a townie and when she thought she was pregnant her mom gets really excited and she's like oh you're gonna have this whole new life you're gonna live in the big house they're gonna take care of you it's gonna be so exciting and i and my interpretation was like kind of through the osmosis of her mother's excitement and joy at this new chapter of her life she warmed up to the idea of having a child and being a different, having a different role essentially, and being a stay-at-home mom who would be taken care of. And then when she lost that, she felt like, oh no, I, I, I failed to fulfill that role. But then immediately she goes off and does the, the, the like independent goal thing by herself. So now that she wants a child, is it like Alex is saying to prove to herself that she can do this? Which I don't think is necessarily the best idea because you're talking about a whole other person that you're going to be responsible for. It's not just like a goal for yourself. You need to think about them too. Um, or is it because she like really wants a child? Like I, I thought I knew the answer. I thought she just, she was always very maternal. She always wanted a kid because kids are great. She loves babies. But now I don't know if that's true or she's just like, again, trying to prove this thing to herself. And that's why she wants to do it alone. And she doesn't want the help of Ralph. Like she might still like Ralph, but she's like, no, this is my goal for me. Only me does goal. He can't help. Like, is that what's happening here? Like, I honestly can't tell anymore. And that's, I care so much about Princess Carolyn. I just like want to be happy, but I can't tell what her motivations are anymore. And and that bothers me. Yeah, that's my tangent. The end. Uh, Sam, any thoughts on Princess Carolyn's hopes and dreams? <laughs> uh, I I don't know. We all have hopes and dreams <laughs> that True. change throughout our lives, depending on what is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll- on top of what what I already said, like uh, another thing is, we we call Princess Carolyn like having maternal qualities. Like uh, one one thing that comes to mind when I hear that is like in I think it's like the best thing that ever happened episode where like Bojack and Princess Carolyn are in the restaurant. And I I think it's there where she she says something along the lines like I, I love cleaning up other people's messes because it it distracts me from my mm-hmm. own personal life sort of thing. Yeah, and like that that's a lot of what the maternal instinct of Princess Carolyn is displayed in the earlier seasons like she takes care of everybody in her life but at the same time like she, it's because her prof- that she, she likes to let her professional life consume her so she doesn't have to think about her personal failure sort of thing so it's interesting that now that we're shifting to princess carolyn wanting a baby like that obviously opens up the opportunity for princess carolyn to have more of a personal life 
but then you wonder like is that is that like filling just filling the void that the professional life was already filling sort of thing or like well well if her motivations for wanting a baby are as sound as we would hope they would be right so the, the, I think in the stop show, like also the the adoption a- agency lady touches on this too. Like, why why exactly do you want a baby, sort of thing? And well, once we rewatch that episode, maybe we'll, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit a little bit deeper. But that that is something that this season has touched on a bit uh, a bit more of just like why Princess Carolyn exactly wants a baby, and if those motivations are the right reasons to get one exactly. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. And like, it just makes you think of Ralph when he's asking, so it's kind of weird that you want to adopt now when I suggested that and you were super opposed and wanted to give birth yourself. Um, I kind of wonder that too. Why, why is this so uncertain terms? I don't know. I just, I wish I had more clarity, but... We'll have more seasons, so maybe maybe she'll figure everything out. Maybe Princess Carolyn needs to go to therapy so she can figure this out. I will say, it does seem like for once her professional life is running very smoothly. She did great this season. Like, she had no trouble with work. She balanced things wonderfully. So, that's a plus. Right. And l- lest we forget, the-, the end of episode 12 ends with her having a porcupine baby. So she wow, gets the baby. Wow, spoilers. Again, so she like... does get it. She does. <laughs> so, like, as the season, the next season is likely going to deal with, like, how does she take care of the baby and balance her professional life and, like, and probably bring to light, like, what are the motivations for having a baby if there are motivations, right? Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get into that in the next season. Um, br- briefly here we also get um, to- Todd's plotline to talk about um, this is the introduction of the Henry Fondel um, storyline uh, he okay. was created because he wants to make Emily feel better because Emily is breaking up with people uh, and having bad relationships for the sets and Todd thinks that the right thing to do is to make a sets robot <laughs> um this is also sort of continuing the asexual plotline of this season as well, because we we also get later in the episode Emily trying to like cajole Todd into like having a relationship again, uh, also bringing up like, hey, you know, like some asexuals do have sets sort of thing, but and Todd is very uncomfortable at that proposition as well. So like I, I do think it, it's good that they keep touching on, on that part of it. So I, I like that part of Todd's character staying in line here. But yeah, Henry Fondle is a sets robot. Um, how do you feel about his performance in these episodes? Don't say that. <laughs> his, Dad, his, his sex- Dad, Alex. Don't say that, man. <laughs> Honestly, I thought he was pretty funny in this episode. Wow. And the, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, like, this kind of, the humor of everyone taking everything he says as pure genius and taking it completely the wrong way, I honestly, thinks a pretty good gag. And is relatively harmless, and I I like it for that. All right. In these uh, I, I w- isolated episodes, I think it works. Yeah, like uh, in the next episode, there's this one sequence where he the yeah. the sets robot goes into the CEO's office, uh, and he like convinces him to step down with these random statements. And I think because he's working off of the CEO having like very interesting dialogue, like very eloquent about it, and it just ends like I am powerless in the face of your mesmerizing sexual energy. It's like okay, well that's good. I'm out then. 
Like, I, I think that that little sequence is, like, probably the peak of Henry Fondle as a joke. But, yeah, like, it's he he's here. This, this is how he starts. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think that that covers most of uh, ancient history. Um, and it, it Head in the Clouds... Um, Oh, the head in the clouds opens with a weird Margot Bartendale scene. Where, like, yeah, she's... I mean she's alive, so yeah. Yeah, she's alive. That's good. I'm glad. When when did we last see her? End of season three. She was like escaping uh, the pasta. Thing. Maybe the popo. I think she got in trouble. <laughs> it, it was so. No, it, 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 it was the pasta thing when um she collides uh, the escape from L.A. the boat. Into ah. a boat oh, yeah. carrying the shrimp pasta pasta for Sandro's restaurant, and, and that explains uh, Sam, why she would wa- why she would wash up on shore of this random monastery. Then, yeah, God, well, I can't right. believe you guys can't remember last time Margot Martindale was typical. <laughs> everybody not appreciating yeah. Margot Martindale. Yeah, She's well, Margot Martindale. <laughs> Is now liable to try shooting us for ignoring her. Yeah, exactly. I will be saved. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like that. That scene is only to like give the nun a very important dialogue, of, like uh, you, you're lacking faith, sort of thing, to help Margot recover her memory. And then it's just Bojack because the balloon shows up, and the balloon it appears in that the end of the episode because Diane kicks it off and lets it fly away, and so that's the connection, I guess. I like the one but, line in there. It's like you could be literally anyone, and then yeah, you know, things of like a southern, a powerful southern matriarch, and a. Yeah, that's like what Michael Martindale usually plays. She was one in uh, the Hannah Montana movie. In fact, oh, wow, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that's, that's the role fact. you'd like to credit her with. Yeah, she was in that movie. I she's been in many movies, but she was in that movie. Yeah. Uh, also, in this episode, there is the uh, the subplot of uh, the popsicle man. I really um, like claiming this. plagiarism. Okay, please you defend did? this. this okay. story I did. I thought it was one of the better gags of the season. I don't know. I thought it was like nice and cute and like really innocent in a way. <laughs> like, oh, they took this thing from a popsicle stick gag. Like, who the fu- who gives a flying fuck about who writes the gags on popsicles? <laughs> The popsicles like jokes like those aren't even funny but like oh with all the zany sound effects and it was great i loved it it was just me i it just broke the tension and like a tension-filled episode in my opinion i will say that on second watch all the goofy sound effects worked a lot more on me like just like the the i, I can't even they're like clown noses in there somewhere like it's great horns. It's way like, better yeah. than henry fondle Yes, <laughs> yes. This is the okay. type of goofy that I like. Um, Michelle, do you have any thoughts on on uh, uh, Abel Ziegler and Ziggy Abler? I, well, I, for whatever reason, Henry Fondle I thought was hilarious and fun and was super on board for those gags. But these two, I felt like they were wasting space in the episode. Was, every time it cut back to him, like, oh my god, this still isn't resolved. Princess Caroline deserves more than these knuckleheads. Comic relief. But I, I'm one person, and if you guys really liked it, then that just means Bojack <laughs> has something for everyone. Do you like yeah. Pops at all? Uh, you know, okay. It's a little related. In Atlanta, apparently people are really into, like, Fancy popsicles. Fancy popsicles. 
Yeah, yeah like fancy, like like rose ginger, oh, like no. springtime gourmet popsicle. No, a really big deal here, probably because it's so hot all the time. And I tried some that weren't too bad, so they're okay. But like, I'm way more of an ice cream person. I think popsicles I'm- are kind of. A- I'm a fan of like the popsicle brand popsicles that just taste like frozen Gatorade. Ah, That's my personal favorite. The ones that taste like space pops from like Walmart that come in like packs of 60. Oh, do do you mean uh, the freeze pops? The ones that come in the the plastic and you push them up? Yes. They taste like that. Those kind of popsicles. Mm. All I'll say is that popsicles are like soft ice cream and that they melt way too fast and therefore they are not worthy of that. Okay, okay, that's the best, Alex. They are all frozen treats, depending on what kind of flavors you like, are worthy of your time. But not if I can't eat them in time. Oh my god, like, why is it gonna take like a half hour to eat a fucking popsicle? But then I get brain freeze, and then it ruins the the satisfaction of getting cooled down. Your brain comfort and your throat comfort, and then it won't take too long. Ah. You sacrifice your personal comfort and they won't melt. <laughs> In my personal opinion, it shouldn't take more than five minutes to eat a popsicle. Eh. Um, <laughs> all, all I just want to comment is that also this has been set up as well because in previous episodes we have seen Flip McVicker eating popsicles as he's writing Ooh. his scripts. So I would just like to point that out that this was Dude, weirdly I set up. Popsicles. I should go to the store after. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, to fi- see if you find any that have jokes on them because that's also a thing that's weird like do popsicles still have yeah jokes they on do them? is that a thing okay. i'm pretty sure that they do <laughs> uh yeah and so let's see anything else in this episode that we need to cover um i guess we could talk a little bit about the bojack gina relationship because like in this episode is where it kind of like gets serious sort of the uh, bojack begins the episode by uh letting Gina read the reviews and she gives her earrings. Um, they, they talk briefly about if they want to go public. Bojack is like, maybe not yet. But by the very end, once Bojack is high off his ass, like he begins kissing them in public sort of thing. And the, then the relationship is public. So I guess this is just a, a brief moment to recognize Gina working her way up in the world. Um, I don't think she has much to do in this episode exactly, but it's it, at, at least it's nice to see that she's getting a positive recognition for her work, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I think of the random people Bojack has a relationship with every season without fail. She is one of the ones I, I, I feel the most like invested in. Just because she's, you know, she's trying to have a career. She's not really making it she's earnest she doesn't expect very much from the world and now that she's finally getting a break i'm kind of like oh my god yes gina they love you you're gonna get a second season you you have two sentences written about you in an article and that like makes her day and i love that and i just very concerned about her being with Bojack because he's not a good he's not a good person to oh, be in a yeah. relationship with and I, I want her I, I want more for her basically so I was I was happy things were going her way that episode this 39 yeah. year old actress is going places yeah <laughs> oh my god that was a really good that was a good line I like you always hear the stories about how such and such actor didn't start until they were like older and like it's always very touching to me yeah it's very encouraging you can 
be uh, successful in your chosen field later on in life. And, you know, you don't have to be, like, 20 and do it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think we we've we, we already mentioned some some of these in the in the main podcast, but just a, a lot of uh, snarky TV making fun of lines by Flip McVicker in his introduction. Like, uh, if I hope you all enjoy it because it means you're smart. And uh, notice I said chapter, not episode. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. what a fucking douchebag. <laughs> yeah, and yet these are all very emblematic of peak TV, so, like... <laughs> I, I like the little title card that says, A tight hour and 18 minutes later. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. That's really how it is sometimes. Yeah, especially on Netflix. Um, some shows love, love to take advantage of their... Oh, yeah, time. yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Um, I think we've covered most of the major plot lines in in these episodes. Um, any final thoughts about anything we've uh, we've covered here uh, before we sign off, uh, Michelle? Okay, so a thing that I want to talk about that we hadn't talked about already. Bojack never went to college. Yeah, he never went to college. Huh? Re- remind me of when this is brought up. Uh, when Hollyhock first comes yeah. over. Yeah. When they first, like, go to his house and he's saying, like, oh, yeah, it must be so fun to learn stuff and be with other people your age. He's like, I bet I would have been great in college. Something to that effect. Mm-hmm. You know, but being yeah, young yeah. and living life and not doing Yeah. Anything. Okay. Yeah, I guess we, we've we seen him, the, the youngest, well, we've seen him as a kid and then we usually skip to when he's beginning his stand-up career yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah. So we don't really see what happens in between that. So I, I guess that that's believable that he, he just like went straight to Los Angeles. Yeah, he played football in school, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, Bojack didn't go to college. That, that's an important revelation. Also, I, I like Todd's little to line. Um, so my other wacky schemes always end in disaster. <laughs> he, or whatever. he knows. He's aware. And I'm just like, uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> That's true. I mean, he said it backfired in his in the first episode of Henry Fondle, and yet Henry Fondle survives for the next three episodes. I know. Wow, well. he's spoilers. He's too powerful <laughs> to stop. Spoilers. Henry Fondle dies at the end. I mean, that yeah, is no, a spoiler. Spo- <laughs> Everything's a spoiler here. That's true. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Michelle, do you have any final thoughts? Oh, I can only think about sad ones. The thing I just Bring realized. Time. Okay. So, during Hollyhock's visit, we, we did talk about how Bojack, he does, in his own way, like, he cares about her, and he, he does love her, and he wants her to succeed and have a normal life and go to college. But the thing that made me really sad is as soon as the their episode kind of becomes an issue of tracking down painkillers he constantly guilt trips her about it like at least three times he brings up oh i wouldn't be doing this if you hadn't thrown my painkillers away and that kind of bummed me out because even though he does have these good instincts to you know keep his relationship with her going and he he cares about her a lot like in these moments he's really He's prioritizing his addiction over, you know, her well-being, her safety, and their relationship by constantly, you know, making it feel like her fault. 
And that's like a not good moment. And it makes me kind of sad. But it's very true to Bojack's character. But it makes me very sad for Hollyhock. Because she is so normal. And she's had such a great normal life. And Bojack is like the farthest thing from a normal functional person. And I think that's why I kind of like the episode. Just because like he he's so dysfunctional. And so seeing them together... And seeing her notice all these things that aren't good and aren't normal, even though we're kind of used to them watching him every episode, it's just like it puts it into such a contrast that uh, I just wish I just wish so many things were better. But it's still entertaining TV. But yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. These episodes, if nothing else, set up. Bojack spiral into self-destruction and in the process br- destroying his relationships as usually happens yeah that's it that happens every season it's yep. yeah just how yeah. life is you have a spiral down every year or so well if you're Bojack definitely hopefully yeah, not but... your Hollyhock yeah, Hollyhock, to her testament, is no, uh, realizes when the situation has gone too far. It's just like, well, I better leave. And she leaves. Yeah, so, yeah good for her. Good for her. And I think it is time for us to begin leaving. Um, we will come back wow. to you later. With... <laughs> <laughs> we'll come one back to you, you later with the, with the end of Bojack's spiral in episode 11 as well as uh, episode 12. Those will be our final episodes to cover. Um, until then, you can find out all the info on this podcast at overlyanimated.com. You can also talk to us on Discord about Bojack or any other show we cover here at overlyanimated.com slash Discord. You can support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Thanks to all of our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Alec, aka Frozone. Uh, thanks, as always, to our Patreon executive producers, John, Ryan, Stephen, Hugh. And other than Bojack Horseman, um, we've uh, covered recently some uh, OKKO, some Hilda, some uh, Miraculous Ladybug. We've got a wide variety of shows we cover here on Overly Animated. So if you want to take a look at that, feel free to. But yeah, until we we finish uh, up our Bojack episode recaps with episodes 11 and 12, we'll talk to you soon. Adios. Bye. Bye. Bye.